going. All right. I'm going to pray real quick, okay. and then we'll get it started. God, we just invite you here today. We just ask that you would uh, just be in this conversation, that you would you would lead this. I know that Angela and I want to get out of your way when it comes to this uh, topic and, and just recognize how you've designed us. And so if you would just show up and help us to speak your word. We submit to you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide this, Lord. I just ask that uh, even if we get off track or miss something, that you would uh, deliver the message that you have today, that it wouldn't be about what I think or Angela thinks or research or any of this other stuff, but it would be about what you have. And so we just uh, praise you. We thank you for your design, for the way that uh, that you've made us. We ask for your, your love and grace to be with you and in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm Chad. Tell us, tell them who we are a little bit. Make we um, associated with New Hope Church. We run Celebrate Recovery, which meets on Sunday nights for all your hurt habits and hangups. It's a recovery ministry that just allows people a safe place to heal. And then Chad is also a therapist at the Joshua Center. He's a marriage and family therapist, uh, works over there. So both of us are in the ministry of helping others heal and and get and not only emotionally but just relationally healthy as well. So this is a topic that's pretty. Um, near and dear to our hearts. We love watching families get healthy and um, usually coming from a place of seeing the broken side, we get to help people restore. So if we can get ahead of it and and help families start off healthy or get healthy emotionally so they never have to land in Celebrate Recovery or the Joshua Center, that's great. We're excited about if we never need to in our place of work. But if you you do come, we'd, we'd love to help you work through that as well. Um, so we're just going to kind of kick off, do you want to say anything? No, go ahead. We're just going to kind of kick off what we already know, um, and we just kind of put notes together that we thought we could kind of follow a little guideline, but really... We're very formal. Yeah, we're <laughs> actually super <laughs> informal, and I have throughout there like questions with lines and notes, really for you guys to take home with you and do that a little bit interactive later, because we're kind of limited on time. We're not going to, this isn't going to be as interactive as normally we would even do like role plays or have you guys break up and practice stuff. Instead, this is just going to kind of be really like educational teaching and we're going to try to get through it enough time to open up for questions. And so if you have questions, just kind of write them down and we can come back to them as we go. And so we're just going to kind of dive right into the intro. Kind of what our culture teaches us about emotion. Uh, If you come from a family uh, if you're our age, our, our, you know, our parents were kind of in the 50s, 60s, 70s era and uh, coming out of – Chad's like just going to sit down and listen to me talk. We'll, we'll bounce it. back Let's and go. forth in a bit. <laughs> um, but this is what our culture has taught us, and our families of origin usually pick this up. If this is not you and you come from a really emotionally healthy, able to talk about it family, you're not the typical family. You're, you would have been like a, an advanced or an abnormal family because typically this is what – our culture has taught us that we have to control or manage our emotions like anger these are these primary emotions that we have here we're taught to suppress our anger we're sent to anger management classes we're taught kind of like don't be angry or go if you're angry go over there get yourself together and then come back and associate or affiliate with us or fear you know growing up it was always my dad's a football coach it was always like face your fear Look the fear in the eyes, you know, like tackle your fear or, or even avoid it. Don't, don't go or to things that are scary. I, scary movies, I just avoid them like the plague. I just can't, I can't even watch them. 
Uh, and so, so it's something that we're, we're kind of conditioned to do with all these emotions. Sadness. Sadness is another one that we're taught kind of not to be sad. Public sadness isn't always great. Even if you've had a severe loss or like even at a funeral or somebody has died, there's this cultural kind of expectation that we're supposed to like grieve and get on with life. Grieve and get over it. I work with a lot of moms who maybe have lost, have miscarriages or had babies. And and something that they say a lot is, I feel like my family doesn't want me to still be grieving. Like I'm supposed to be over it, but I'm not really over it. And so it's not like we're allowed to even be sad for a long time. Hi, Dalton. Um, Shame. If there's anything we feel shame about, we are not, don't even say the word shame. Like don't, don't mention it. Don't talk about shame. We hide it. We protect it. We create energy around keeping it a secret, whatever it is. I mean, it could be anything from the fact that we had a dysfunctional family or there was alcohol or addiction in the family or maybe it's pornography or maybe there was an affair. Who knows what it is? It's a secret. We're not allowed to talk about it. And even joy sometimes is a really great writer. We're both a fan of her name is Brene Brown. She does some research around shame. She calls it foreboding joy, which is when we're happy, we can't even be really fully happy because immediately after our like joyful moment we recognize there's loss and sadness in the world and so we have to temper even our joy we can't be too happy because what if our happiness is kind of like you know it's like this weird season all these emotions we're not really paying attention to what we're really supposed to be doing with them and so it's important it's almost like chad and i like to say it's like a confusion line when these emotions come up for us it's our body trying to tell us something and so it's important our goal today if if we walk away with only this one thing. It's to recognize that God designed our emotions to tell us something, that we either need to slow down or grow into or become something different. It's literally like a check engine light. A little bit ago, we were talking about fixing your car. If your oil light came on or your gas light came on, you wouldn't suppress it, avoid it, put a piece of duct tape over it and keep on driving. No, you're going to pay attention to what's going on there. And so our hope is to just start to have a dialogue around. Are you sure? posted on Facebook, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It was like an anti-gas light, light, and I'm like, yes, that's me. God's like, it's a half a tank. you got to get more gas. You can like, start thinking about it. You don't have to immediately pull over, but I mean, you could be thinking about it. I'm like, the E-line is there to tell us how far we can go, and then I know how much further I can go. Completely right? disagree with that. This yeah. is not so the stance we, we of the Imhoff family. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to start kind of start off with why emotionally being emotionally healthy or what why emotions help us i'll step back up here i felt weird no 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 stay here so he'll say you're my safe okay Uh, so emotionally healthy um why be emotionally healthy why even mess with all this stuff emotions are kind of messy right Uh, they can be anyway and and it can be awkward and maybe we didn't do it in our family just like angela was saying what does society tell us about it but there's a lot of research coming out that says if you're um more securely attached to somebody and and secure attachment kind of comes from emotional health like if i can't be me if i can't listen to these body responses these signals that my body's sending me then how would i be safe right that means i can't really be me in front of you you can't be you in front of me and now all of a sudden we have this distance and so as we're thinking about this the reason we want to be engaged and aware of our emotions is because if we're not right then then we can't show up for people and we can't understand what's going on for them right research has said that 
you know, people who are securely attached and emotionally engaged are able to, they live longer. It's, it's almost, no, I think it is, it's, it's worse for you is what the research I saw than smoking for you to be disengaged from your emotions, to be unhealthily attached to your family. Like they, they did a study where they said, okay, how many people die from, you know, heart disease and other negative effects of kind of, and we all hear about stress and things like that, right? We've heard battle stories of that sort of thing, but, but people that are engaged and, and able to kind of uh, regulate and understand their emotions are able to take that to somebody, their body downregulates. And if their body downregulates, it gets rid of all this bad stuff, the cortisol and, and other things that show up in your blood, which kind of break down joints and mess with your heart and cause bad things in your arteries, right? If we're able to take this to somebody, then that decreases. Our body doesn't have to fight this thing alone. So connection and being able to show up and engage with emotions is super important. If we don't do that, well, one thing, we don't live as long, right? Has anybody ever had a hard time in their life? Okay, me too. <laughs> I mean, a few, maybe one or two. Uh, but this isn't, I'll tell you the truth, in my opinion anyways. If you have just a perfect life and nothing goes wrong, you're probably okay if you don't engage too emo- with yourself. That's what I mean when I say emotion. And, and when I say emotion, man, I think it's just a bad rap. Emotion isn't what I'm just talking about, like, a sappy movie and crying, right? If I started crying right now, probably half the room would feel uncomfortable. I would probably feel uncomfortable. I'd want to stop it, right? But that's not what I really want. I mean, yes, that too. But really what I'm talking about is, can I share with somebody that's there for me my experience? Is it okay for me to be me with the people that are closest to me? Can people show up for me in that moment? And so if life goes really, really well, I'm stepping back a little bit, it's not that important. Like, if I don't show you joy, it's like, yeah, it feels kind of weird to be alone with joy, but everything's going good. I got lots of money. No kids are sick. Nobody dies until they're like 95, parents maybe, and that makes sense then, right? But it doesn't feel sad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to step on you folks. But, but when things get out of order or people have, we have abuse or we have neglect or we have hurt or cancer or, I mean, I could list off all the bad things in life. When those things show up, man, it's important. It's important to have and be engaged yourself and the people around you have somewhere to take that if we don't do that then that's how you get to going to counseling for years and years that's how you get to addiction that's how you get to seeking comfort other places pornography whatever you want to call addiction i'm not i'm not always you know you guys i work a ton in rehab and and, and for me when i think about addiction any addiction really it's, it's just us getting our needs met right our comfort in the wrong place and somebody said, is that idolatry? I'm like, yes. If you want to put it in that box of idolatry, sure it is. But we're humans who, who need, who have these natural needs that God put in us for comfort and, and to be able to express what's going on with us. That's that vulnerability. That's that honesty, right? And so if things go wrong in your life, it is so important that you can share it with somebody and that you know it's safe. That like, if I find out that I have cancer, who's the first person I'm going to call? going to show up for me in those moments. I mean, hopefully she doesn't make it about her. Hopefully she can respond in that moment, but that's not what I'm going to talk about that in a second, about how if, if I need to respond to his emotion, but I'm not a healthy person, then when he brings me his emotion, I all of a sudden make it about mine. And even though he has a really hard thing, it's too much for me to handle, and now he, the person who needs the response, isn't having the response from me, which is at worst case at the time. So we'll talk about that in a second, but two points I want to make about what he said. He was talking about the stress hormone 
And what happens when our body, something bad or traumatic or sad happens, is that our body releases uh, a stress hormone called cortisol. And what that does, literally, it like thickens the blood. Uh, I think it's designed for being able to like take a bullet so you don't bleed out. Literally, like take a bullet so you don't bleed out if your body like clots or something like that. Um, but what that thick that thick blood slows your heart. It makes your your heart have to pump harder. It slows your body down. Your, your blood kind of comes to the core of your body, so your limbs then potentially don't have all the blood and oxygen that they need. And so over time, the study has shown that when you have too much cortisol, too much of that stress hormone with no release, and the release, the, the happy hormone is, let's share some pictures. Yeah. So when it's like the hug hormone, when we have too much of that cortisol with no release, none of the you know, calm, happy kind of serotonin, our body isn't functioning the way that it needs to function. And so the studies have shown that's why you you have higher risk of heart failure, higher risk of uh, joint pain, higher risk of things like pain, fibromyalgia, pain that nobody knows anything. Like, I don't know why my body is not working right and I'm just in a lot of pain all the time. A lot of people have that now and they, they don't know why. Yet, if you go into their family history, you realize that they have had traumatic or really stressful uh, emotional pain that's never been resolved or released. And so that the, the response to that, that serotonin or that happy kind of hormone, shows that physical contact with or a safe response within 20 seconds. If he were to hug me, within 20 seconds, my body releases serotonin, which fights and decreases that stress hormone. So that's kind of like the biological part. Not that I'm, I'm not a doctor. These are all just pictures. Uh, but, but the studies have shown that if we have a healthy connection, something happens for me, that cortisol releases, my blood thickens, my body's prepared for that stress, it's good. It's keeping me alive. Yet at some point, I need to be able to take that to somebody. Like, like the spouse or somebody that's close. And say, okay, now my body is kind of like restorative. It's getting back to where it's functioning well. Blood's going through the body. Oxygen's getting everywhere. It's not stressed away the whole thing. So, so this emotional stuff really affects the way our physical body works as well. It's a, it's a full balance of things. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll stay with that. Like, so there's serotonin. There's lots of the oxy, oxytocin. That's the one. Oxytocin. Yeah. oxytocin. Is it like the bonding hormone? Yeah, yeah. Whenever Angela was having a baby, uh, they gave they hung a bag of, of oxytocin, like literally like the tongue. Like they're like pushing stuff in or pulling the blood and kind of getting their body ready to go, okay, I'm going to have this baby and they need to bond, right? So I, I took a picture of it and I wish I'd thought of it, but I could have showed you it. So I'm like, really? They have it in a bag? Like you can just do that to have like people bond totally. with their kids. Clinics where you can like them, right? go just get oxytocin from your kids. Right. But probably like most things we wouldn't even want to. I'm, not, I'm no doctor, <laughs> right? Uh, but it literally, it helped when they gave her right to me right after she was born. It helped the latching. It helped the nursing. It, it probably kicks mom. our body into to having the baby too, right? Because yeah. it's going to be a stressful thing if we have that there. It kind of it, it, it lessens pain, right? If I'm hurting emotionally or physically, I mean, they actually studied this with physical pain, and somebody responds to it, it can almost make the pain go away. Like, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but especially for somebody like me who kind of my whole life I was like taught to be tough, be strong, be okay, right? That's, I think, what guys get told, and I'm like, literally, I was, uh, when I was a kid, I broke my femur, right, which was pretty painful, and uh, I dragged myself to the house and tried not to cry the whole time. Right? That's a pretty tough thing, right? Culture tells us to be strong. But 
But the thing is, I needed, I needed responses. Somehow I had learned not to ask for help and not to show what's going on for me, to be okay, right? And I'm not blaming my parents for that and this or that, but somehow I couldn't The message that he got was, I have to be okay for myself. I don't want to be a burden on everybody. And so even if my leg is broken, I'm going to be okay. So, so to me, that's very unhealthy right? Because my body had to do a whole lot of work to kind of manage that. Now, does it look good if you're Rambo and on TV or something? Maybe, right? If you're in the woods sewing your leg up or whatever, it's it's a more appropriate example. Most people are still sewing their leg up, right? But, but I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about is if, if I have a wife there, if I have somebody who can respond to me, right? Or if I have a, a parent there, hopefully, because that's kind of what we're talking about, uh, that can respond to me, that can see my pain and show up for it, then it's exactly the point. It's, that's how we get the safety piece in our bodies. So here's the test with all this stuff. Chad said, like, if you had a moderately mild or you still have a moderately mild lifestyle and nothing's really gone wrong, you really don't know yet if you're emotionally healthy or not. You really don't know that you're not emotionally healthy until something bad happens and you have no one to take you to. Until so you have a kid. No, no well, that's a good <laughs> or get example. Married. You know, yeah. those are hard. Marriage yeah. and it, first, marriage reveals things about you that you never know that were there because there's somebody kind of pushing on what you know about yourself and vice versa. Uh, two sinners in a small slope, faith is what didn't happen. Uh, but then you have a kid and you realize, oh my goodness, this is a little version of us. And they start to kind of mirror exactly who you are and in whatever it is. Chad and I are both very strong-willed, independent kids or, or humans. It makes complete sense that our little one is strong-willed and independent. It, it's just... Whether you decide if you want to go with nature or nurture or both, she comes from us and you from her. And, and so that is really kind of what we want to talk about before we talk about our kids. Kind of back up and go, what's our family doing? In your family of origin, as we've already kind of talked about this, can you talk about maybe what you saw around anger? Was there anyone in your family that, that had anger? And, and what what would you say you didn't see? Or maybe you come from a family where you're like, my parents never fought. P.S. Just so y'all know. People usually say that and it's like they're proud of it. Like, oh, we, we never fight in my family. And I'm like, oh, Chad taught me a big word that I never used until I married him. It's called capitulating. Somebody is basically not standing up for what they believe in because there's no conflict. Because you know what? There's no two humans on the planet, even twins, that believe exactly the same thing about everything. I disagree. <laughs> and so you have to be able to recognize that as a human, we're going to have conflict. What did that conflict look like? Was it resolved? Was it a happy time or a scary time when you witnessed conflict in your family? And I'll give you an example. Like if, if the only time I ever saw conflict was the day that my dad left the house and didn't come back because my parents got divorced and moved to Hungary the first time, right? That makes sense, right? Like, why would I want to be angry if all I ever saw was them be happy and happy and happy and they never let the kids see them fight, quote unquote, right? I'm not saying you go beat each other up in front of the kids and take the lead with it, but if they don't ever see us have this conflict, or How what will they if, know that it's okay to have conflict then? What if you come they from won't. a family where your father's a football coach and he ye yelling is just his moderately important life skills? Yeah. And there's always yelling and we're always observing conflict. And so conflict to you is like not scary at all. It's just actually kind of common. If you're not arguing loudly and assertively, then there's something wrong. 
Like, we're going, we're going to her family's house for Thanksgiving. And it'll be like, yeah, my brother and I go over there. And he's like, hey, give me a pop. Oh, what? And he's just sitting there in the corner like, like two feet away, right? Oh, come on. Some, oh, oh, I need. Oh, like If literally. he could literally, if he could wear a whistle around his neck his entire life, he even would. off the field, he totally would. Just Flags like, get and stuff, it'd be awesome. But then you put two of us together, and you have somebody who is comfortable with conflict and needs it for the relationship to work. If you're not fighting, you're not communicating. Who brings conflict to a person who the only time he ever saw conflict. And maybe it's not even conflict, to be honest with you. Sometimes it's not even like she's like at a level two or something, you know, on a scale of one to ten. And Emotionally, I'm fine. I'm just loud, assertive, and aggressive. And he's like, we're going to get a divorce tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> why sure. would we? I love you. We're fine. <laughs> Fight with How did me. you even get that message? You know, <laughs> we are not fine. This Look is at what you. happens. We don't realize that we come to this with these different backgrounds until we put them together and go, oh, my goodness. We, we got to figure this out. This is kind of confusing. What do we do with this? How do I slow my aggressive assertiveness down? And how does he know that even if we get, have a disagreement, I still love him and I'm not going to leave? So I'm going to just pause for a second. But, but not only that, but like how does this little 18-month-old know which set of rules is right, right? Should she be loud all the time? Or should she just kind of like give in? disabilities and and it's not like i'm fighting this on purpose or she's fighting she's doing this on purpose we've got models for this in our family right so as we're as we're thinking about this i want to ask a couple questions and it's what else should we get models that's where i'm going yes um in your family when you were growing up and we're spending this time because i'm gonna do whatever i saw most of the time or it'll be a very strong reaction against it and i'll do the exact opposite that's just kind of how people normally work we don't normally swing swing to like Oh, really off the middle. Most of the time it's like, I'm never going to do that. Or, yeah. or I just of, do whatever I saw. And a lot of times it's around a symptom. There was alcohol in my family, so we're not going to have alcohol. There was there was divorce in my family. I'm never getting a divorce. Or there was. They yelled, I'll nev- never yell. We're never going to be yellows. But yep. the reality is underneath that alcohol, underneath that divorce, underneath that yelling is the emotion that nobody knew how to deal with. So you can say, my, you know, my father was an abusive alcoholic we're never going to drink alcohol come to my marriage we don't have alcohol but we but we still don't know how to handle our feelings and so there's a lot of the same yucky feelings without the symptoms and so it's really important even to consider our family of origin all the nevers we've said because we're we're basically living our lives based on what went wrong from our childhood that's how we we decide to parent that didn't go well we're going to do it this well instead of like just erasing that model and go what does healthy parenting look like what does being healthy look like? And so there's a couple more too right there. To be there. fair, it's not, a po- it's not even possible to erase what we saw just to be, like, you can't just say, I'm not going to do that. Because it's not a thought process. What we're talking about isn't just like your brain going, I know what I'll do. And we're telling you this stuff cognitively. Literally, we're telling you, how, okay, this is what we need to be aware of. But it has to, you have to kind of go practically. There's no way that you can just do this. Like, emotional health doesn't come from reading a book. Otherwise, just we just hand you a book. Cognitive process won't do this. This is your body's response to it. So I want you to think about this with me. So when you were a kid, and, and maybe close your eyes. I'll close my eyes, just so you feel safe to close them. When you were a kid, how did you know, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. How did you know your family was a, a parent with anger, right? 
and you don't have to answer this, but I just want to say this up front. How did you know if a parent was uh, sad, if they were, if they were upset, grieving, lost? I mean, how many people didn't see their dad ever cry, right? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, H- how many people did, what did your family do with fear? Were we allowed to be afraid of things, right? What did we do with, you know, disappointment or shame? Were we allowed to? Not okay? To mess things up? To lose? How did they respond to that? So your body, and you can open your eyes now, your body puts messages around that stuff when you're sick. It kind of, it's not a, like I said, it's not a cognitive process, but I just kind of wanted to give you this sense of like, what did I see and what do I need to do? Right? If we were to get up here and start yelling and start being animal, some people would be great mimickers. Some people it would freak them out. Like at the beginning, I said, if I were to sit up here and cry, some of you parents might freak out. Your parents would freak out. Like it, it would be awkward, right? If you didn't see it in your family. We have a friend who, who asked us to go out on her boat for the summer, and um, we did, and they were so eager, though, to kind of like wakeboard and, and make some quick stops before she started. She had been driving the boat, so her boat was her family. She had been under her family. It was ours. But we had also other people on the boat that – um, had really high blood pressure. And so I'm in the water trying to surf, and Chad's driving the boat. And it, it, it was the first time I think we were putting our boat out. We just had a boat for the summer, so it was, it, it was new for us. And I, I am something of my dad. And so I'm behind there going, keep me on the right side of the boat. Nine miles an hour is as fast as you're supposed to go. No, you're going too fast. No, you're going too slow. Right? And the, everybody on the boat was, like, having a great time. And we and, hadn't even started. Yeah. She was and then, just getting off the back. No. Half, halfway no. through me surfing, and I realized, like, everyone on the boat's really quiet. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking I have something to say to these folks. And I realized I have something to say. <laughs> because they all think that I'm, like, having a fight with Chad. And Chad's like, this is just having fun okay. to me. She's just loud. Yeah. <laughs> so then when I got on the boat, I had to, like, like overly be like, hey, like, show them. Our cognitive processes 
right? This kind of prefrontal cortex and kind of the, the higher reasoning places are where we make sense of things. So we kind of go, okay, and our brains get really good at that. So if I have a pain in my foot, I know what that is. Oh, that's my left toe or whatever, pinky toe, I don't know. But, but a lot of times in our family of origin, if we saw this pain, this anger, or if we saw this pain, this sadness or grief, right, and, and nobody did anything with it, then our body, our cognitive processes kind of do the same thing. They're like, oh, I better not do anything with that. So not contain, engage, right? Engage your gut. has a fever and a earache, you're going to be calm. You're probably going to take some temperature. You're going to take a bunch of Tylenol. Your kids recognize they run in a physical pain, run in a pain, and all of a sudden they're really sick and not ready to take good care of you. We need to find a brain regulation to kind of recognize that. So on the, if you turn, if you haven't already, turn your page to the back. We're on part three, which is what being emotionally healthy looks like. So I think I kind of just said this, but it's, it's not locked down. And if we're just thinking about, so we, we talked a lot about the gut to start with, that whole front of the page is, is about what you individually and, and together if you're with your spouse, right, or whoever else is showing up for you in your life, maybe it's a grandparent or friend or something, I mean, all kinds of situations, but, but it's how do you deal with your emotions? How do you deal with your pain? If you can't do this on your own inside yourself, there's like, I don't know, I won't even give you an odds, but it, it's going to be extremely rare that good news is you can earn it, whether it's through this or even as, as you start. Let's say this is the first time you've actually heard any concept around what emotional health looks like. This is already kind of like, oh, I need to get my brain around it. Next time you have an anger outburst, the next time anger shows up for you, you're going to hear Chad Daniels' little argumentative voice in your head going, hey, somebody might check into that. Maybe that's what that thing is. Let's go fix it. That type of thing. So if, if and now we're moving to kids, we're going to talk about But if Avery falls down, right, my little girl falls down in her chair, right, my tendency for my family, remember I broke my femur and kind of dragged myself, but if she falls down and scratches herself, it would be very easy for me to go, oh, it's okay, it's okay, just dust it off, you're fine, come on, it's all right, you're okay, you're okay, it's okay, and I'm not saying that's bad, right, I'm not saying that's a bad response, I don't think that's negative necessarily, but, but I think there could be a better response. My tendency, though, is, is to lock it down. So that's kind of a, one of my pitfalls. I know that I don't tend to want to scoop her up, like in my gut, right? My body's responses are like, oh, let's engage with that. My body says, oh, ignore that, get to safety, do something else, let's get away from this a little bit. I'll take her with me because I won't let her dive or something. I'll rack it up with a band or something and put out alcohol, whatever I'm thinking of right now. Don't call my parents. <laughs> but maybe I would, who knows? But the truth is I have to, I have to be able to go, sucks your knee hurt that's so bad that stings doesn't it that hurts i know what that's like that's what she's calling it to me right like i let my knee look way too big yeah you're fine that's okay it's okay to cry it's okay i said at the beginning he's like guys we need to talk about this lock it down not cry well i want to kind of break that stereotype or that that gender role because i come from a family with my mom is a hard worker she was a very confident woman she has taught me a lot of great values but one of those is also to lock it down and so i mean a lot of times if nothing was severed and you know there's no like blood just rubs some dirt in it and you find out how is the rehab come from that and so same thing for us like we have to be so intentional i try to this picture in my in my head has anyone ever caught this when she's so on the bench frame mm -hmm. like every 
time where the lasery like just falls down and like plonks out the mic. Like, oh, that it was like I tried to find the pain inside of me that really hurt and go, God, oh no, like please don't. Jesus, uh, no. Don't do this. Wish we had a video like you guys that. all have like people like, oh no, like because there's pain. How empathetic would it be for me to like pull my phone out? Yeah, oh no, come on, oh no, no.
is that that her daughter came in from her first day of school and talked about how to go and being like, uh, she was really excited to go into the pool, but she's got more pool pictures and some private engagements and stuff coming in. And she said, I just get the locket that I want. And she said she really wanted to go, oh, it's okay, get another locket. Because in her head, her sister, the, the mom's sister had just been diagnosed with something that was really, really, really hard. They, the husband was potentially going to get laid off. They were thinking about how they were going to pay their mortgage for, you know, the next month. There was stuff going on in her adult brain that would say, the fact that you didn't get your locket means nothing. When you become an adult, you're going to have to make some real decisions. So, so her first response was to say, welcome to school hard knocks. Or like, hey, got to have support. But the reality is, we don't get to decide what is important and not important in, in those circumstances. We can try to say, here is something that's important, or here is something that's valuable. But if our kid believes that buying a pair of jeans is valuable to them, and we can't find within ourselves, just like that, have you stubbed your toe on the, on the bed question, find that thing. Have you ever been disappointed in something? Because if you have, then you can relate to that disappointment. And, and, and if you have been, has anyone ever slept your disappointment down? Oh, that's not important. Oh, you should feel bad about that. Oh, it'll, it'll, be, it'll get better. You know, just some of the cliche answers that we hear. And what that does is it basically sends a message that says, not only is what you're thinking not valid, but that you're thinking it means there's something missing. Because if you had a, a better grasp on reality, you wouldn't not think that those were important things to think. Confusing message. Really confusing message. Instead of saying, oh, man, I'm really sorry that maybe we don't have the funds to buy you a $100 pair of jeans. And that's really disappointing. I, I wish that I could, but we just can't. Like, maybe you can find another way. Or maybe you can save up for them. Or, you know, like, even try to, to have empathy and strategize on what it looks like to manage and support your kid that looks different. Like, like engage that disappointment. Be manageable, but engage that disappointment. Not manageable. Can I tell you what? Not manageable. Like, truly engage it. Does that make sense? So, so I wanna, I'm going to stay with that. Yeah, yeah. Which that, and I'm not, I, we can't minimize that. That is so hard because you get to see somebody engage your anger, your sadness, your fears, your shame, your guilt, your disappointment. And if you didn't see it, how, how do I know how to do that? I mean, I know people joke about this sometimes, but kids and emotions and this life, they don't come with a handbook. There's not something you get that says, this is how you do that when you're disappointed, right? And we're trying to kind of give you this kind of like angle on it, right? But I really do feel like it has to start with, with me and saying, what are the things I miss? Okay, well, when that shows up, how does that feel for me? And what do I do with that? And here's a good way to kind of test it that'll probably like raise all of your anxiety levels at least two points, but I don't think you do that. If for some reason in your upbringing there was something that your mom or dad did that, that hurt you or you felt disappointed in, maybe consider, like, calling them right after church today and be like, hey, I just want to talk to you about this dis disappointment and see how they respond. Anyone excited about that? No. Don't, don't, do, it. don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Does it go well? No. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. here's what I'm saying. No, don't do that because if you know they're not going to respond well, which is probably why you never brought it to them in the first place. We're not but, trying to get you to go parent your parents because no. that's, that's but it's, it's almost the impossible. the concept of even yeah. doing it, if it kind of triggers you a little bit, know that if you can't bring your disappointment to your parents, do you want to recreate that? Everybody's going to say no. No. In my mind, I want Avery 
brings her disappointment to me. But here's the catch. If I taught her that her little disappointments aren't valuable, why would she bring the big ones to me? If the message I continually sent her is, this isn't valuable, you should be tough, you should be strong, then if something really devastating happens, she doesn't trust that I have a volume of training to offer. She might be taking those either to someone else, or she's managing them herself, literally trying to, to press them and find meaning to them. family or kids are going to be ruined. Don't panic. It's okay. Repair is huge. We can repair. Studies have shown that healthy attachment and repair in our present actually heals wounds and broken bonds from our past. Well, so, I want to say, I want to say, because we can't overemphasize that. Like, anybody in here, and I, we won't, I won't say names, I'll just say that, like, do you guys, do you know anybody who just kind of has kind of a quirky life? I kind of have some couple people who are just like, Nothing ever, ever bad happened to them. And it's like, oh, really? Yeah, we got into this promotion, you know, and I, my book sold, you know, or whatever. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like it's, it's almost been beat out. I know maybe that's me and that's whatever. But, but those, in that kind of place, okay, those people maybe don't need something. I'm maybe cynical. Anytime I think that somebody has it all together, I'm like, what are you hiding? Right. Like, I don't believe it. But, I know how families work. But I'm, I think for me, I'm going, if that's the case, great. I mean, I'm happy for them, I guess. But but the people that, <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's not cynical. That's the truth. Uh, but, but, but for me, the people I really want to hang out with are the people that have stories, that have a life, that are able to kind of like, I can mess up with them, 
right? Because they can kind of forget me. Those are the people I want to hang out with. I can, I can, you know, say that I struggle with, with drugs or alcohol or sex, whatever, and they're still going to be there. It's important that I have those kind of people in my life. Otherwise, I've got to be safe. I've got to protect. And so when I have people that I can show my struggle with, I can mess up with around me, all of a sudden, now I can just be weak and I can kind of be real. So I would, I would say this lesson, and I'm saying this because I think the repair is actually more important. If, if, if Avery never sees me in Angela repair, if she doesn't see us kind of get it wrong and I, me come to her and say I'm sorry or even come to Avery and at 18 months old and say I'm sorry, if she doesn't see that, then she doesn't know that she can, she can mess up. Like the repair is the maybe most important thing that she could see, in my opinion. I, not to get, we're not trying to give all this pressure to get it right. We're just kind of saying be allowed to kind of have some freedom to mess up. And here, a couple of examples from the book of Titus to give you. Now, practice with your spouse or whoever is parenting with you first. Maybe it's, maybe you're a single parent and yelling at spouse on occasion, you know, your dad's like that, or your mother-in-law or your mother or caregiver. Try to work on kind of being able to respond well and have empathy in that response. And so the question, how well do you engage with your spouse? Are you able to have conversations around kind of heavier things, harder things? Have a conversation about shame, hurt, anger. And I talked to Chad about the one that I have here. my gosh, you're the strong one. What are we both going to do now? Like, it was catastrophic. So it was hard because... Which reinforces that I shouldn't show that, right? While it was safe for me to bring my stuff to him, it was a couple years, and we are still working on it, where I'm like, respond to him. Don't get too smart here. Respond to him. This is not like... Where he, like, he wants to bring something hard to me, and my family of origin response would either be to shame it, which teaches the message... You better have it together for our family. Is that a safe environment for her? No, it's not. We need somebody to kind of carry that. Oh, my gosh, this is hard for you. In the back of my mind, like, I don't know how we're, like. And so an example that I want to give, I've used this example before, is little Avery. When she was about four months old, they did a test of her iron deficiency. And the doctor was like, I want to investigate this a little more. So they did, and they found it was one thing in her iron deficiency, that she had a white a bone marrow suppression and a white blood cell count that wasn't regenerated. And it was, it was kind of scary for us. They weren't using words like leukemia, but it was like coming out that there was seriously something. Um, but she acted normal on the outside, just her blood wasn't right. And so she was having to get her blood drawn almost weekly. She did like red beans, though. I think that was probably the thing. I know. At six months, she's like that. eating cake. Uh, <laughs> we're cutting up those But so we're, we're, we're at the place where she's getting her blood drawn weekly. I don't like shots. In high school and in college, if I saw my own blood, then I just, I would pass out. I'm like a, I'm a faster. I I pass out when I see that stuff. So I have this baby, and she has to get her blood drawn. And so I take her over there, and they first, they pricked her toe at the doctor's office. Now I'm back. She's like, I'm going to send you to the emergency room. I'm like, okay, fine, let's go. They put the vein in. She's a trooper. She's doing great. She didn't start crying yet. But apparently she didn't get enough blood, and so they had to give her another vein. So then they went in the other arm, and they missed a vein. At this point, she started crying. At this point, 
I wanted to take that needle and stab it in the neck of Jesus. Like I was livid. Well, then when they missed the vein, they're like, we'll draw it out of her heel. But then they didn't use a big enough gauge, so they had to poke her other heel with a needle. I was desperate. And the calendar, she's like strapped down to this table. The priest is standing over her, pulling socks. And I'm like trying to like sing and dance. I am starting to get agitated, anxious, frustrated. And something happened, and I saw it on her face. Jesus didn't want her. Where she kind of looked at me and like, like took a breath, almost like something's wrong with Connor. Like I could see her six-month-old face say something's wrong with Connor. And in that moment, the elder speaking, I thought, this is not about me. She needs me. I need to be here for her. This isn't about me. And in that moment, I had to lock down my emotions. And I know we just said that's agitation. Let me keep, keep telling stories. Because my daughter is not responsible for me. I don't want to teach her that she can't show emotion because it's all of a sudden going to be a lot about my emotions. She's not responsible for Nolan. He gets to cry and be in pain, and I need to respond to her pain. So I locked it down. I just sucked it up, took some breaths, powered through, got her little, she had like a bandage, a pink one and a green one, and like little band-aids, get her in the car. Like literally, I'm in cortisol full of my, my blood is so thick, I'm like walking like, the, you know, <laughs> like I can't even handle it. Get her home. She falls asleep on the way home. I get her in the crib. Tad knows I've taken her to the doctor. He calls me. Baby is asleep, and he's like, how are you? And I'm like, oh, like I lost it. And he had to coach me over the phone. He's like, I'll, this is what he said, I'll cancel my next client. I'm, I'll come right to you. As soon as he said that, I took a deep breath, and I was like, okay, what you just saw was the other side. I was able to take my pain laterally to somebody who could respond to it so that my child would not need to be responsible for it. And that's really important to be able to do. If we can't take it laterally, if we can't take it back to a counselor, to God, to to somebody who can respond to it, if we don't have a, a spouse that is able to respond to it, if we don't have grandmas to respond to it, just someone who can respond to it, because our kids learn, if I'm in pain and I bring it to mom, all of a sudden mom wants to take her pain to grandma. Then all of a sudden I'm the one at the party. Then my kid has to parent my pain. They're not, they can't even handle or understand their own mom's pain fully. How would they handle mine? So it's really important in this process to make sure that we're able to have someone, have a team, have people who can respond to us emotionally so that we are available if the oxygen mask is healthy and we on us, then we can pull the oxygen. Instead, you see like the kid like putting the oxygen mask on the parent. I'm like, how did you do that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you understand? We have learned in our marriage, and he will say, hey, I have to bring something heavy to you. And that we have a dialogue around like for me, I'm like, okay, how am I emotionally do I respond well? And there have been times when I'm like, now's not a good time. Let me figure out what's going on because now I can respond to you. I feel like I'm getting better, but I still mess up sometimes. And we have to kind of work on handling it so that it's not always about me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I I think the big thing here is just that acceptance of what it is, right? The the thing like a a mom who is and can be available. And if if, if I'm hurting, I can take it to her. She's not going to be overwhelmed by me. So, so one, it could be like the kids that are ages and they just, okay, I've got to kind of lock it down. I can't cry because mom's going to hurt me. Or the other one is, you know, 
for me, maybe she would say, I, I need to freak out to kind of get Dad's attention. Right? I've got to cry a ton or I've got to make a lot of noise to get Dad's attention. And so, but neither one of those are really what I want. Right? I don't want her to have to be okay for anything. I don't want her to have, her to, have to kind of exaggerate or emotions. try to make it yeah. more dramatic because we won't respond to the crying or we won't respond to the noise all the time. Look, look how look how picked up she gets pretty quick too, right? Like she can she has this body kind because she's not thinking much, right? There's no way developmental an 18 month old can be up there thinking. If I get loud, then Daddy will respond this way, and I'll probably get you know tear tripped or whatever. That doesn't that's not how it ran. She's just training. I am training her limbic system, her body, to do something, right? And so I've got to think about like how how hard does she have to have this conversation? Hopefully she just has to say, Daddy, and I can enjoy that. And so down here at the bottom, I'm going to use this, and then I'm going to wrap it up for you guys to have questions. It's really important that we model making mistakes in front of our kids, that we repair, we ask for forgiveness. I've asked this question before when I've been talking, and I, I, I'm never surprised to see, I don't think I'm asking, but how many of you witnessed your mom or your dad say to the other spouse, your parent, other parent, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings when you were with me. Have you seen your parent act this way? For me, we'll say, I'm sorry. in my heart to do that to him, but she could say, like, I'm sorry, but I feel like you need to flush that behind you so I can write it down later. That's a big yes. And so if my spouse says, hey, I got it wrong when you were with me, I model that for my daughter and vice versa. And then the guy can say, dad, I got it wrong when you were with me. And then I also do this for my little girl. She's also seven and a half right now. That may not be a real regular or normal practice, but the thing that Chad just said about come from a Hispanic family, and so it's just not big and it's not important. I learned early on, I've got to start drama training. And so in our marriage, I do that too. Like if I feel like she's not listening, I will get loud and, and our arguments will peak. Like I'm assertive and she's kind of just like, you know, got to have this kind of chaotic. Well, my little daughter. Kind of like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> my little daughter, this, right? this is when I kind of noticed it was not great. Chad, I don't even remember what the content was. But Chad was holding Avery, and she had one of those little cups that you pull the snack out of. Like, he's a whipping, he's like into snack. And I went into him like, what is wrong? Like, all kinds of loud, assertive, pumping drama to try to get him to respond. And he's holding Avery, and she's just like trying to hold him. Like it's, like it's popcorn, like it's a joke. It's like, here's Mommy. She's blowing up. Oh, yeah. so this is how you do life. All right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. Right. And I looked over at her unsafe, and I'm like,
And that's sad for us because it's a dialogue about that. And it, it just sad. You think about it, Avery did a really sad thing. And we want to take time to look sad and look awful and cry for those people. Why would we do that? It's because it's going to put us at their side. It's going to help us to have some perspective for them. In this painful circumstance, how can we teach them how to respond to this sad
nobody needs $100 pants. That's my stance right now. I'm sorry. Hey, Brad, what's our uh, immediate stop time? Noon. Okay, we got like five minutes. Three. Okay, whatever. perfect. Yeah. So I was going to say, uh, if I'm, I'll tell you, okay, if I'm an emotional person, right, if I'm not doing okay, then I'm using myself as, like, I'm your, I'm your, what, second grader, right? That's the one we're talking about. And, and I'm, I'm obviously upregulated, right? That, I need to respond to the upregulation first. So if, I'm a, if Angela is throwing a fit, I need to respond to this like, okay, so this is really hard. You don't want to spend this on this stuff. Learn. It's really tough. The learning part right? of my brain is gone. cannot be activated right? if my emotion betrays me. If there was a tornado that was ripping the roof off of this building, none of you would be up here paying attention to our time. We would have to respond first to the trauma. And so first thing is respond to that emotion before you speak. A lot of times we as parents don't even speak to our children. That is, we, we need to respond first to that emotion and then we say and so when i'm like what you're saying is and this is like a little catchphrase like connect before you correct right so i want to make sure i get her right like i'm i'm hearing her she's i'm getting this right she's giving me head nods i know that we're engaged okay okay i'm here with you this really does you want to watch this show of course i do but right now we got to do this other thing and i'm so sorry that you don't you know or maybe you don't think that's enough or whatever but this is really hard the words a little bit but like that doesn't feel so good in your belly inside you know whatever that looks like this is i see your pain this is i can tell this is really hard okay now we're gonna we're done with that five ten minutes later maybe 18 is when like the physiology kind of like kicks in and says you know 18 minutes is when your body can calm down that's how like this part of your head is just gone now we can come back and go okay so what's it all what happened earlier remember this okay this you know your brother was in this you were in that and then you didn't do this that's when you come back in that physiological kind of response place, it's not really easy at all for them to respond. I can't, right? If you come up here and cuss at me and tell me how bad I did today, probably for the next 30 or 45 minutes or maybe even till tonight, I'm not going to be able to go, oh, yeah, that guy was just hurt by what I said about my parents or something. Like, I'm not going to be able to go, or maybe I would. Who knows, right? Maybe I'm way, better with that. Science will say that under Did the age of – Does that answer your question before we do anything? Under the – Don't do this. Man, your kid could see your brother. You're like, come on, or whatever. Two things I want to say. One, under the age of four, our kids don't have a consequence response. They're unable to really learn that. Under the age of four, they really can only read our emotional cues. So they might know that this makes mom or dad upset, but they don't really know the learning. Past four, you can start teaching consequence and timing and that kind of stuff. So just kind of remember that. Under the age of four, just respond to that emotion. But something you said that I really want to point out. And after the age, uh, for yeah, me yeah, too. True. If I'm hurting, I would rather that, you come get me. That you, you know said, I mean? my wife forgives fast and I forgive slow. That's okay because you have children that are probably all different. And so to be able to just have that conversation, even with your kids, that says, hey, you know, mommy and daddy both want to forgive. And Glenn had that practice of forgiveness, but, but sometimes mom's able to release it sooner than dad is. And your experience is what it has taught you that and vice versa. And so it's, it's not confusing for them. What it does is allows them to go, okay, I don't have to do it right away, 
that I still have to work on it. it it's okay to teach them that this is a process. It's not an, an absolute science. Does that make sense? Side note, forgiveness is always a process. It's like eating, right? I ate yesterday a lot. Maybe today I won't eat. No, right? Still I'm still going to have to forgive today. And, and even though I might be better at it or might have processed it quicker, I mean, long forgiveness is, is kind of a different thing. And it's okay for you to take long forgiveness. Does that answer your question? Any other questions before we have to wrap up? Or we can talk as long as you all Go want get to. Our food. Yeah. So. When we have, pressure our right? body to stop doing what it's doing, it only makes it feel worse. So being able to say, oh, I feel like that. And maybe you're, if you're, how old is your son? Three? Three, eight? Saying, yeah. To be able to, to go, maybe anxious is a word that they don't understand, but maybe feeling worried or concerned. Put, a, put words to it and say, mommy was concerned, and I want you to know it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. You're okay. I love you still. Because sometimes kids can assign meaning that goes, I must be doing something wrong. Mommy must be mad at me. What's going on with mommy? And so, so if you put a, if you put words to that to help them assign meaning to what they're feeling, then a lot of times they'll learn. Okay, this is this is something that's going on for mommy. I'm okay. And you know, it's not a horrible thing for your kid to care about you or be concerned about you. That's we great. we want to teach our kids compassion. And so sometimes they might be concerned. The catch is you don't want the, the message to be that it's their responsibility. I'll tell you the other thing is like, oh, mommy called daddy because I was not feeling so good in my belly, wherever your anxiety is. And my shoulders were all tense up, and I know that I need to do something with that. And I'm going to see you have a good response. You went to somebody with it. I asked for it. help. You didn't isolate with it. You, you said, okay, yeah, I'll hold you too, but I need to get somebody who can help me because I'm here for you. If your kids you know, see you like ask Just for help, even if you say, mommy's going to go talk to somebody because sometimes I get concerned and I don't want that to be about you, and you teach your kids it's okay to ask for help or it's okay to get counseling, it's okay. Wonderful thing. Because God designed us to be in relationship and to ask others for help. And if we instead give the message that I've got to lock it down and not ask for help, get this together on our own, instead of, we're like invading the room. We've got to go. Like, get out of this stuff.
couple of book options. Write these down really quick. The Whole Brain Child is a, is a really good one. Uh, positive Parenting is a really good one. Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids is a really good one. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It is. We, we like that short word better. But, I mean, it, well, here's the other thing. If you have a plan for this, whether it's with your kids or even just between you two, have some plan. I mean, I, and you guys are the ones that are here today and you're listening to this, so you probably have plans. So I've been thinking about this and you're engaged with this, so we don't, we're probably talking to the wrong people. But, like, even if it's just a book, any book, get engaged with this thing. Have a plan for how you're going to respond and interact with your kids so that you can give them a plan. Positive parenting, the whole brainchild, peaceful parenting, peaceful parenting. And our email address is cr, the letter C, the letter R, at newheightschurch.com. If you have more questions, feel free to email us. We both, we both get that one, and we can respond. But we, the, they need the ribs, so we've got to shut this down. Thank you guys so much. We so appreciate yeah, thanks, that you guys. guys were here. So fun.